Hi, and welcome to A Dialogue With. I'm Harold Wilmot, Content Strategist at Dialogue, and myself and Ryan Battles, our Content and Brand Director, are interviewing various talent in and around the world of content marketing. This week, I'll be talking to Benji Vaughan, founder and CEO of Disciple Media. Disciple have created a mobile app that provides a real alternative to current social media platforms, helping you build more effective communities. It's a very light metric when somebody likes your page and um, and that social media, Facebook really is the TV of today. It's just a paid media channel. Um, it's not really a community platform. It markets itself as that, but it's not. It's a big open soapbox to shout a message out across. We'll be talking about how the app came about, the state of social media, and what brands are winning the community game. Hi there, welcome to the Archant Dialogue podcast. I'm here today with Benji Vaughan um, from Disciple um, and talking all things social and app related. And I understand Disciple grew out of the your music business yeah. activities. Tell me how that kind of evolved. And so I, I uh, spent my errant youth and my adulthood until starting Disciple in the music industry and it's I started out as a um, producer making electronic music then got involved with a label uh, that uh, was my whole life from my sort of late teens until my early 30s and then um, a few years ago I guess five six years ago I looked at how we were engaging with our fan base and it become completely disintermediated. So we had passionate uh, fans of what our label did, what our label stood for, the kind of lifestyle around the label. And um, we'd lost contact with them. They'd become just likes on the end of Facebook or views on, on YouTube or rants on Twitter. And uh, it was really hard to extract the value out of them. So. I thought, well, surely we could build something with the kind of user experience of social media, but in our own media environment, because we'd started to think about going back to email as our primary tool to engage with our fans, because we saw we got a much stronger and uh, more consistent engagement through our mailing list, but it felt slightly antiquated to just be sending out an email. So I went out and built a platform for our record label and it worked really well. And um, when I saw the kind of metrics coming back from the time fans were spending with us, the money they were spending, the assistance they were giving us in spreading our content across social media by becoming content advocates, um, it seemed like it was a much bigger opportunity. So the first iteration of Disciple was taking the learnings from that and effectively becoming an agency building similar platforms for bands. Um, and that got to the point where we were doing massive bands like the Rolling Stones. And then in the last um, 18 months, we've, we've been in the process of taking the learnings from that music industry uh, iteration of the company into building a software as a service company where we can effectively produce these uh, own media social communities for anyone from local schools to bands to brands, to institutions, government, we're working with MPs. Um, and we're really excited to be working with Archon and Dialogue to see uh, how our software can help dialogue and the brand's dialogue works and build much closer, deeper uh, relationships with their uh, supporters. 
And when it comes to community, do you see different types of activity around music versus, uh, you know, MPs versus brands? It's really interesting that we've now got about um, 45, 50 customers on, which we've built the software for. And it ranges from MPs to bands to Bollywood stars to YouTube stars to health and fitness gurus. And uh, the underlying metrics are incredibly similar that you see across them. As long as people keep to certain key practices when they run a community, you need to find out who your core members are because they're the ones who produce most of the engagement and the content. You need to find them and super serve them. You need to treat the way you post content as not a, um, not a one, the, the posting of a piece of content on social media is often you just post it out there and that's the end of it. In your own community, you want everything you post to be the start of a longer conversation um, because you have that ability to get, get your audience to feedback and respond and, and, and uh, create content inspired by what you've posted. Underlying it, I don't see any fundamental differences. Humans are humans and when they like something, they like something. It's the way they respond and interact with that thing they're passionate about is generally pretty similar. Over the years, you know, people have really struggled with digital and they struggle with, particularly with social media, mm -hmm. you know, in the experience that I've had with working with brands because they feel like they can't control the message. Yeah. Does this feel like it's a game changer in terms of being able to control the message, I guess? It's definitely, it needs, it needs to be seen as very distinct from um, open social media like Facebook and Twitter. I've seen a sea change in the last two, three years where people two, three years ago felt like their Facebook page was theirs and the audience, the likes they had, whatever it was on the end of it was their community. Now people are aware it's, it's a very light metric when somebody likes your page and, and that social media, Facebook really is the TV of today. It's just a paid media channel. It's not really a community platform. It markets itself as that, but it's not. It's a big open soapbox to shout a message out across. When you take your community into your own hands and into a known media environment, it needs to be treated with a lot more care. It can produce a lot more value, um, but you also, I think you need to use a different set of metrics. You're not gonna get your 30 million likes and all this sort of thing, but you are gonna get an engaged audience that's of true value, and you need to just understand how to, how to measure success in this environment. I have to say, because I used to work in the music industry and we used to manage fan forums, mm. what really excited me or interested me was the craziness of that content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of content examples have you seen that, you know, audiences are creating that is kind of... My favourite bit of content we've ever had was um, we worked with a, a US artist who's not well known over here, but he's huge in America. His name's Luke Bryan. Uh, he's a fantastic, fantastic guy and a hugely successful artist over there. We started working with him about two or three years ago now. Um, and about a year ago, we got a parcel in the, in the mail at the office from, we didn't know who it was from. We opened it up and it was a f six foot oil painting of Luke Bryan. <laughs> which for some reason somebody had sent from Virginia across to our office in London. And uh, that was definitely the most uh, most thought about piece of content any of our customers have ever had sent through to them. Was it any good? No, it was awful. It <laughs> 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 just about make out it was supposed to be Luke Bryan. <laughs> you get different stuff. MPs, the 
things like MPs, you have to, or local constituency areas, or you have to kind of get a balance between the kind of functional stuff you need to operate a an organisation and uh, the stuff that keeps users happy. So Matt Hancock, who we work with, who's uh, was Secretary of State for Digital, he's now uh, Health Secretary. His app community is absolutely brilliant. It's this brilliant collection of constituents in his West Suffolk, uh, members of his West Suffolk constituency talking about potholes and schools. And then this collection of people from all over the country who just find a great place to come to have banter that revolves around uh, Matt Hancock. And it's generally funny. I enjoy going to the Matt Hancock app for a good giggle and Matt Hancock loves that. And it's, it's a good sort of forum for discussion and, uh, and humour, yeah, it's really good. And in terms of kind of like when you're, when you're prepping brands to come into this space, what kind of, what are the things where you say these are the things that you kind of need to focus on and get, get right? The first thing is a, what not to do, um, which is don't sell to the, people, the community. They love what you do already. You don't need to sell to them. Um, the second thing is think about a consistent conversation, creating conversation amongst the community. So as I was talking about earlier, don't think about just isolated posts, but creating a narrative and a conversation that the community can latch onto. And secondly, I would say, think about your brand community that you build as almost part of your, your team. They're a really good source of feedback on what you do, what you stand for, finding out whether brand messaging is getting through. They'll be incredibly direct, but they want to help and be part of your brand, part of what you stand for. Don't treat them as you would your sort of audience that you market to. Try and think of them as part of your, of your business and they can then really bring value to you. Just because I imagine there's going to be a lot of brand people listening to this podcast. And where does it sit, just to help guide them, where does it sit within their kind of marketing sphere, I guess? How do you help them position It's that? an interesting one, that, because I'd almost say it's not... If you go at it thinking of it through the sphere of... just through the sort of sphere of marketing, you could make the mistake of just marketing to them. It's a community that may well end up coming under the remit of your, the marketing team, but a really good example of a brand using a community like the Disciple platform, a kind of Disciple-type community, really, really interestingly, is Target in America, who recently put together a community app, which is invite-only. I think they've only invited something like two or 3,000 Target customers. So it's a real sort of honour to be a member of the Target community. And it's for them to sense-check what they're doing with their customers in a private way. And that's not something you'd ever do on Facebook or Twitter. Don't think about building an own media community to replicate what you do on social media. It's a completely different thing. You're working with a much smaller audience, but a much more valuable audience, and an audience you can get immediate insights and customer feedback from in a very detailed way. And if you think of it in that remit, then I think it's, it produces a lot of value. If you're just trying to get a message out to the world, you'll be disappointed because that Facebook will do that better. If you're trying to create a deeply engaged audience that can offer a kind of feedback loop to what you're doing, then it will be really valuable to you. And are people selling stuff on? Yeah, we have people selling products on there. So an example, we had uh, 
Sanam Kapoor is one of our first clients. She's a huge Bollywood star. She does brand partnerships through there with L'Oreal. Um, and to give you an example, when she does a brand partnership through App, she gets 25 to 30 times higher engagement per post per user than she gets on Facebook. Um, but because of the nature of it being her own platform, she's able to post something about a new product that L'Oreal's brought out and then invite fans to post back content where they've used the product and really create a whole thread and narrative around that product. And then we have somebody like uh, Madeline Shaw, who we work with, who's a, a wellness influencer. She has her app which where she sells her content directly to fans, health and wellness content. But at the same time, she has a sponsorship deal with Origins, who have the exclusive rights to sell um, their products in her shop, which is within the app. Um, and she gets really good pickup on that. We have bands doing e-commerce um, and they get much, much higher. Typically when we see a, a band using our platform successfully and they do an e-commerce campaign, their own media channels account generally for about 70% of the sales. Put that against Facebook's typically somewhere between four and 8%. When you think it has these sort of millions of fans, it doesn't really convert to sales very effectively. Whereas, and the app's typically hitting about 30 to 40% of sales. So if you want to sell product, it can be a really effective just direct sales route. Um, what I'm more dubious about is using it as a pure sort of marketing channel. It's a good sales channel and it's a good uh, uh, kind of customer feedback channel. Every podcast, we like to play content marketing bingo. Because we're fun like that. Giving you all the stats and facts you need around our monthly topic. So, eyes down for a full house. The Disciple app delivers retirement age 65 percent retention for new users who engage within the communities. Top of the shop 90, Man Alive 5% of all interactions are member to member. The app offers over Strive and Strive 75% reach on new content from community hosts. Half a century 50 minutes per month is the amount of time members spend on average in Disciple apps. The communities in the app have Teresa's Den 10 times the engagement than those of the client's existing websites. The app had over Kelly's Eye 1 million downloads from KSI and the Rolling Stones fans. One of the things years ago when we worked in the music industry, they were always trying to uh, monetize membership groups mm -hmm. on digital and through their websites and stuff. Have people got better at that? And does that work for brands in the same way, would you say? Or I definitely think it can work. If you took, as long as you've got something of value to give back to your community who's paying for access, then it should be able to work. You know, I know that dialogue works with Porsche. I'm a petrol head, I like cars. If I was a Porsche owner, and I was passionate about my car and being part of that community, I'd probably pay to be part of that community. If I was gonna get an extra layer of service from Porsche for being part of that as a kind of subscription service portal, then I think yeah, that could work really well. I guess because of your background and how things have evolved, you've got a good take on what, how you feel social is at the moment. Yeah. 
what is your take on the landscape there and how do you see that developing for people? It's definitely lost its way as, a, as an effective communication tool. I, for one, I, you know, I, I first got on Facebook, I think, in 2007. And I loved it to start with, but I shut my account down 18 months ago because it was just, it was, I just, I would find if I went on to Facebook as a consumer or citizen, if I went on Facebook and came off Facebook half an hour later, I'd basically be in a worse mood than when I got on there because all I was getting was this endless conflict and a brand gets drowned out, you know, on, on Facebook. Alex Jones on Infowars got, makes more noise than Nike. Um, Donald Trump makes more noise than Porsche. It's just this noise of extreme voices. And it's really hard to have um, productive conversation in that, I think. Personally, as a, as a citizen and consumer, I think it it's, serves no purpose in my life anymore. And if I'm using my experience personally, I don't, I think it's very, very hard to cut through in that. I think Instagram is, is kind of a more effective channel, but over time, that the likelihood is it's going to follow the same trajectory as other social networks. So you have to monetize it more, which leads to a kind of fall in, in quality as you need to try and get people to pay more to, to reach the audience. With that in mind, are there notes that you're making in the light, <laughs> in the light of everybody else's mistakes in, when it comes to... I think the only, the fundamental thing we're doing, which is different, is we're not creating a one-stop shop platform that's monetized by harvesting citizens' personal information and selling it. That's ultimately where it's gone wrong. It's just, it's a, um, it's, Call it a marketing platform is in many ways to to be too kind to it. It's a surveillance platform and it's a manipulation platform. It manipulates consumers, manipulates citizens by abusing their personal information. Um, and so the premise at Disciple is, no, we're not, we want to provide the tools for people to build their own communities, their own social networks. And we have no interest in your personal data because you're going to pay us for use of the platform. I can imagine once brands buy in or celebrities or artists or MPs buy in, has it been easy to woo the fans into those spaces, into the app? It's easy to get you uh, fans into the app or constituents or brand advocates. It's very easy to persuade somebody to move from A to B as long as you don't say we've got a new app come on board, nobody cares if, if you say you've got a new app. You have to explain the purpose of the app. And if your purpose is compelling, you'll get a flood of people come in. What's harder is to, is to retain a user. The tricky period is your first month, particularly the first 48 hours when you have people come in. You have to welcome them in, you have to explain to them what the identity of your community is, the purpose, what, it's, what you're trying to encourage within the community, the, the kind of culture you're trying to foster within the community. Once you get them in there and you, they have that initial 48 hour positive experience, they contribute to the community. We see a massive difference. If somebody contributes to a community within the first two to five days, they tend to stick around forever. If they haven't contributed to the community within the first couple of weeks, they often, they're typically gone. We have really good across the, the different communities we power, we have um, really strong uh, retention rates.
but it's not it's it's not a it's not a magic wand building a community is is requires Sorry. thinking and an effort yeah it's long haul as well isn't it it's long haul yeah you know but the the value when it's done right is is makes it worth it and when you look at other brand communities that exist in elsewhere mm. who who's really good at it do you think is anyone a really good it? example is sephora the makeup brand they have three or four online communities each with a different purpose and um it's they're enormously valuable to them they build up a really passionate tribe of brand advocates they call it their brand nation um and that some of the platforms some of the communities are for supporters to share the experience of using sephora's products some are more for buying products um and they work really well it's it's an intrinsic part of the value in that brand sephora is its own media communities and they've been an inspiration to us when we started moving out of working with with talent to a wider world we kept coming back to Sephora saying what they're doing is they're providing something that, that's a massive value to a company worth billions um, a big part of that value is their own media relationship with their core supporters do you see influencers having an, an ongoing role to play in regards of what you're doing but also in having an influence, having joining the dots between a brand, their core supporters, and in the middle as a sort of figurehead and influencer that has a a relationship with the uh, those two entities is really, I think, can be really, really powerful. The thing you have to always be slightly wary of with influencers is they generally are drawn to like numbers and following numbers so they generally it's quite easy for them to get sort of distracted back to instagram where they're getting half a million likes on a post and in terms of sort of like i guess you've been through various phases of your career and things like that what has been your biggest learning um everyone has something in life that they're really passionate that is a kind of core part of their identity um and you should never be judgmental of what that is because you, you'll miss a trick if you are. We, we as a company certainly spent too long fascinated with trying to get the next 20 biggest bands on and we'd miss the fact that everyone in the world wants to do all kinds of bizarre things around a community and that we should have opened up the platform three years ago instead of a year ago. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this interesting, but if you have any questions or want to give us any feedback, feel free to contact us via the Arch and Dialogue Twitter account with hashtag a dialogue with. Join us next time when Ryan will be chatting to Vince Maduros, the newly appointed chairman of the Content Marketing Association.